Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen. The Real Look. Trending News. G'day. Today's Wednesday, February 7th. I'm Bruce Hardy. And I'm Chase Williams. And this is the news you need to know. Well, Chase, Freddie Mac will offer a $2,500 credit for very low-income purchase borrowers to help with down payment and closing costs amid elevated interest rates and low housing supply. Effective March 1st, the credit will be available for home buyers earning 50% of area median income or less through Freddie Mac's Home Possible and Housing Finance Agency Advantage mortgage products. This credit can be used for down payments, closing costs, escrow, and mortgage insurance premiums. So, uh, Chase, what's your take on this? Well, I think it's great news, Bruce. I mean, it, number one, it demonstrates the desire of the federal government, and, and in this case, through Freddie Mac, for people to own homes, right? We've talked a lot about that. We understand that it's kind of the American dream. It's an incredible way of wealth building. It's a bit of a stretch for some of these income earners, these below average income earners. And frankly, Bruce, you know, buying your first house has always been a stretch from, you know, saving the money and, and, and operating your finances in such a way that you can afford it. I think sometimes it's easy to think it's more of a stretch now. And whether that's actually true, if you run all the math or not, it's always a stretch. And so here we are talking about folks that are below the average in income. So a $2,500 credit, although to some might sound like, well, what's that going to do? When you add that in to some of the additional programs that are available, it's a step in the right direction for them, right? We know that the biggest source of down payment assistance has always come from the bank of mom and dad, right? And that's still the case now. But there was actually a quote by Sanu Matal, which is the senior vice president and head of single family acquisitions at Freddie Mac. And the quote was, today's announcement is a vital lifeline for would-be homeowners as studies show that down payment and closing costs are among the largest barriers to homeownership for very low-income homebuyers. And that makes sense, right? So any little bit of support is going to be a step in the right direction, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I was thinking back to some data that I'd seen from NAR, which was from their most recent survey of home buyers and home sellers. You know, 61% of all first-time home buyers said the most difficult thing for them was finding the right home, right? And in a, in a market there where there's very little inventory, I totally get that, particularly because they're competing. The second most significant thing for them was actually saving for the down payment, right? And again, because of these elevated prices, we're seeing that being a challenge. So every little bit that helps. And, and by the way, Freddie Mac's announcement to provide this $2,500 credit came on the heels of Fannie Mae's updates to its home-ready product. So in January, Fannie Mae said it would offer a temporary $2,500 credit to borrowers with less income than or equal to 50% of the AMI limit for the subject property's location. So again, these government-sponsored entities, right, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, are looking to be creative in how they can help get people into more housing. And Chase, you and I talk about this a lot, right, is that we believe wholeheartedly that real estate is one of the best ways to build not only generational wealth, but multi-generational wealth. When you look at the differential in terms of net worth between renters and homeowners, it's unbelievable. I mean, we're talking 300,000 plus, right, is the differential. 
with that being said, we need to help more people get into homes. Yeah, and this isn't necessarily a tiny percentage of buyers, right? Last year alone, Freddie Mac financed about 800,000 home purchases. That's about 20% of all the purchases that happened last year. And 51% of those loans through Freddie Mac were first-time home buyers. So about 10% of all purchases in 2023 were first-time home buyers, right? And so this does affect a, a wide swath of folks. And, you know, I think of it this way, Bruce, it's something I was taught when I first got into real estate, and that's all small streams flow into big rivers. So if you can get a $2,500 credit on top of a $2,500 credit, in addition to about 2,000 down payment assistant programs that exist out there, we've reported on that before and this idea of kind of making it easier to find what's available. You know, that's an example of all small streams flowing into big rivers, because if it helps the first time home buyer get into a house... And, and that ownership piece and wealth building, like you described, then, you know, two thumbs up. Well, and, and this first time home buyer situation is real. Over time, we've seen that about 42% of all home sales are first time home buyers. The last couple of years, that number has dropped below 13%. We need those first time home buyers so that people can move up, right? It's just the nature of the business. So uh, I say, good job, Freddie Mac. Good job, Fannie Mae. Let's keep it going do everything we can. Well, Chase, regarding the highly anticipated Federal Reserve interest rate cuts, economists at Fannie Mae, right, the other GSE, expect the reduction to come as early as May. Now, they noted that their forecast for the U.S. economy centers around slow growth, given that there are still factors in play that are highly correlated with a recession. So this announcement, Chase, what's, uh, what's going through your mind? There's a lot of anticipation of rates coming down, Bruce, and that's because, gosh, they went up so quickly and they've kind of stayed up, if you will, give or take, with a, a little bit of movement, but not a ton, right? They're, they're certainly way higher than we remember them being just a couple of short years ago, right? So there's this pent-up anticipation or hope or excitement around them eventually coming down and getting below 6%, which a lot of experts, quote-unquote experts, anticipate that they'll be below 6% by year's end. I think the question is, is when they're going to start cutting and how many times they may make cuts this year. And again, there's a lot more predictions than there are answers or legitimate answers around that because they don't even know yet, right? So I think that's one thing to consider. I would say that there feels like, I don't use that word very often, but there feels like there's a lot of you know, people waiting for that to happen, right? Or if they're not waiting, they're anticipating that it's going to happen, right? Yeah. And again, right, hope's not a strategy. I think what's fascinating here, right, is that Fannie Mae still thinks that there's a lot of factors here that could correlate with a recession. Yeah, the Fed, why did they raise rates in the first place? To slow the economy down. And oh, by the way, is it? Well, if you look at the at the key numbers, you would argue, no, it's not. I mean, Heck, the fourth quarter of 2023, GDP was at 3.3%, right? Now, a robust economy would be at 2% growth, but it's at 3.3%, and that's right. following the third quarter, which was at 4.6%. And oh, by the way, what's happened to unemployment? It hasn't budged. It's still at 3.7%. The latest jobs data came out, and the new job creation was far greater than anybody expected. So... The other piece to this, right, is that we're not seeing the CPI come down as fast as I believe the Fed would like it to come. I think they're probably right in that regard, Chase. There's a lot of talk about it coming down in March, but boy, 
what has to happen between now and March for us to see those rates drop? There's also some questions around, you know, if, if rates were to come down slightly, how does that impact the inventory challenges that we've been faced with? And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't think that'll be enough to get sellers off of the, the fence, if you will. Again, knowing that, you know, there's a huge percentage of mortgages out there that are sub 3%. Even if we were to drop to five, that's still much higher than what a lot of these people, you know, have mortgages at now. These were a couple of executives from Fannie Mae that were interviewed, and they were anticipating around a 3% increase in home prices in 2024. And that will depend largely on what happens with inventory. That supply and demand piece is so critical to what happens with pricing. And they also noted a few other points of data, right? We talked about inflation in the jobs report, which we're going to cover here in just a minute with Jerome Powell, but they talk about the consumer delinquencies for credit cards and auto loans are rising quickly, which is a sign of stress in the consumer. So one of the big challenges is you look out there at the economy, there's all these different data points that sometimes aren't exactly heading in the same direction. You've got super low unemployment and still persistent inflation in some areas, but then you have these delinquency rates rising, which would indicate stress in the consumer. So some data is more important than others, carries a little bit more weight than others. And I think that uh, we're going to see the Fed kind of cautiously approach what they may or may not do as we come to these spring months. Well, let's talk about the Fed. There was rampant speculation after the Federal Open Market Committee, the FOMC, met last week about the timing and number of interest rate cuts this year, right? This is a carry on from our previous story. And in a follow-up interview on 60 Minutes on Sunday, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell did not sound like somebody who's pivoted. In fact, Powell believes the Fed can wait until it sees more labor damage, I love that word, before cutting the federal funds rate aggressively or moving toward a neutral policy stance, saying again that a March rate cut is unlikely. Hmm. So what do you think, Chase? (laughs) Well, I love this story, Bruce, for so many reasons, but One of them is that if you really pay close attention to what Jerome Powell and the Fed says, they actually kind of tell us what they're thinking and they tell us what for now they're planning on doing. Now, that can change over time, but here's one thing that they don't do. They're not veiling their intention whatsoever. They're actually, in my opinion, being very transparent around what they're looking at, what needs to happen, the urgency or lack thereof that they're approaching any change. So uh, if we read what they say, we're going to have a lot more clarity on what they may do versus all of the rampant speculation that you shared, right? So I want to read this part because it's funny to me. This part of the story says, in December, the Fed talked about three rate cuts in 2024, but some people, I don't know who some people are, made a case for four, five, or even six rate cuts given a Fed pivot. So here you have them telling what they're thinking and planning, and you've got some people over here doubling the number of cuts. And I think, Bruce, that's just a a hope, right? That's what those people want them to do or thinking they may do. I'm tending to, you know, take Jerome at his word because he's kind of done what they said they were going to do thus far for the most part. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. He's very clear. The labor market's still too strong. This idea that... (laughs) The Fed can wait until it sees more labor damage. When you hear us talk about this, they need to see unemployment go up. And again, on a macro level, you can easily say that. And yet we know that on the local personal level, 
how painful that can be. But again, they have so few tools at their disposal. They're looking to slow the economy down. One way they do it is slow down the employment, right? So when people are out of work, they spend less money, the GDP drops, everything goes down. And again, you know, these numbers that have been coming out are just like off the charts. Yeah, they really are. And and Jerome goes back to those two key points that you mentioned, right? He says, you know, the labor market is strong, 3.7 unemployment, basically unchanged and historically low. And he says, we want to see more evidence that inflation is moving sustainably down to 2%. And that's the number that you shared earlier and the number we've talked about they'd like to see it at, which is still a solidly growing economy, but one that's more manageable. And so, you know, he, he adds on that they feel like they can approach the question of when to begin to reduce interest rates carefully, meaning unlikely in March. And those are his words. The March rate cut is unlikely. I believe there'll still be speculation around what will happen in March. But if we listen to what Jerome's saying, he's saying it's unlikely based on these two key measures, among others, that they're paying really close attention to. Agreed. We probably need to really pay attention to what uh, Jerome Powell is saying. I think the speculation, I get it. We all want to be optimistic about it. But I mean, let's just be realistic. And the cool part is, is you can still make hay while the sun shines, right? There is an opportunity to go out there, regardless of whether the rates come down or not, there will still be more transactions available than you can do personally. That's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode where we'll interview Levi Gurno with Keller Williams Coeur d'Alene in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Apple, Google, or Spotify, or really any major streaming platform to subscribe and don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening to The Real Look.